Hey, good morning, church. Uh, I want you to take your copy of God's Word and turn over to the book of Ruth. Uh, We're going back to our study of Ruth this morning. I just want to thank you so much for uh, giving me the opportunity uh, to just kind of go a little bit off script last week uh, and to follow up with something that Pastor Daryl said. You know, I really enjoyed when he came and spoke uh, a few weeks ago. um, He just really challenged me right out of the bag. He, He said that, you know, when we leave this place this morning, that God in his grace is trusting us with his reputation. Wow. Have you ever stopped to think about that? That God is entrusting you with his reputation. As you leave here, as you see him and he reveals himself in new ways, as you learn and grow as a believer, that that the church is not just about coming but it's about our going. It's about being the hands and feet of Christ wherever we go. And uh, thank you again for letting me uh, preach and teach about uh, just loving well. As he talked about, you know, oftentimes we want the Lord to send people for us to love. But at the end of the day, we really have to love the ones that we have first. Also, I just want to uh, thank you lastly for your prayers. Thank you uh, uh, for praying for me last Sunday, for pivoting, for flexing, uh, for me to be able to uh, provide you guys with a video message as Pastor Austin was at camp. So again, I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn over to the eighth book of the Bible. We're going back to the book of Ruth and just want to just kind of remind you where we've been as we've been through this study and we've been a few weeks out of the book of Ruth. So I want to remind you there as we started in Ruth chapter one, that those first five verses were really the lead, L-E-D-E, just like when you and I read a newspaper article or you and I, um, you know, read an article online. There's typically that lead sentence and it's setting the tenor and the tone for that article. It's, it's giving you some very important information right up front. And so in those first five verses of chapter one, we see a span of about 10 years. It, it was a difficult time, a time of joy, but mainly was a tumultuous time, a time of challenge as Naomi lost not only her husband, but her two sons. Then as we moved into the a second message in this series, we began to unpack uh, the remainder portion of chapter one. And we talked about how that Ruth and Naomi and Orpah, they were on a journey. And, and just like them, we too are on a journey. And as we are on our journey, that we will come to places in the road. We will come to crossroads where we can either get bitter or we can get better. There will also be times in our lives where uh, the decisions that we make are turning points in our lives. We turn certain ways and, and they begin to open up where God would have us to be and, 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 and to walk into his will for our lives, for, their, for the blessings on the other side. As I've reminded you time and time again, what lies on the other side of your obedience. But as we talked about those turning points, as we talked about how our uh, decisions determine our direction, they determine our destiny. And then we jumped into chapter two. And as we began to look at chapter two, we saw that it wasn't just by hap, as the King James Version says, uh, other translations may say happen. It was not by happenstance that Ruth wound up in the field of Boaz as she went to glean. And so this morning, I want us to turn our attention to um, really was going to start in verse four, but I need to jump back to verse three. So let's look um, at Ruth 
chapter 2, starting in verse 3. Um, if you will, stand in honor of reading God's holy and precious word. And let's, uh, with an open Bible, I pray that he will open our hearts and minds. And so let's read. Uh, you'll find these similar words. So she went out, Ruth, and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. And then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to the young woman, to the young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you go, when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that I that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been told to me, and how you left your father and your mother, your native land, and came to the people you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you've done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, whose under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for just an opportunity to gather again today. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see you in a way that we've never seen you before. Lord, I pray that uh, that you would help us to clearly hear that. And Lord, if there is any distraction in this place that would keep us from hearing clearly from you this morning, Lord, I pray that you would bind it. Lord, I pray now as I preach and teach your word that you may receive the glory, the honor for all that's said and done. Lord, I pray now that I might decrease and that you would increase. For it's in your son's holy and precious name I pray. Amen. All right, so as we begin to look this morning, I want you to see it, and I really wish that you could see my notes because I have underlined that she happened to come. And then we see in verse 4, behold, there's kind of this there's this suspense, there's this sudden surprise. And so I have I've drawn lines to kind of connect those two things because here we do see a surprise. You see, like I told you uh, recently as we were reviewing and I told you in the previous message that it was not by happenstance that she wound up in Boaz's field. You know, as you and I search for God's will for our life, we want these providential signs. We want these flashing signs, these big, bold signs that say, stop here. And Ruth didn't have that, 
But it was not by happenstance that she wound up in the field of Boaz. As we talked about before, that Boaz is a picture, that he is a type of Christ, that his character was represent, would represent who Christ would be here on earth. And so what a beautiful picture. It was not by happenstance. But then we see that, behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. You see, scholars believe that, that he was a man of um, discipline. He was a man of uh, wealth. He was, a, he was a businessman. And so I want you to use your sanctified imagination this morning. And he very well could have been late. And, and, and so I want to ask you, what if we stop seeing things as interruptions and saw them rather as invitations. Right? What if we began to see the interruptions in our lives not as burdens, but as blessings? Because here in the text this morning, we see where Boaz was late. But then he, he gets to the field, and, and I could just hear him being like, Whoa, who is that woman? You see, you see, Ruth lived up to her name. Her name literally means beauty. Her name means beauty. And so we see here that, that he came from Bethlehem and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. We see this mutual respect between the, the master and, and the laborers. What a great picture. And then in verse five, Boaz said to the young man who was in charge of the reapers, who is this young woman? He, he, he takes notice of her. But can I remind you this morning that, that beauty, it, beauty is deeper than what we see on the outside. You know, you and I, we have this tendency that we, we just want to see what the naked eye can see. But thank God, praise God, that he sees what's on the inside. He sees our character. He sees our hearts. He sees our minds. He sees our motives. And, and so here I was reminded that uh, charm, is deceitful, but beauty is fleeting. Beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. We, we see that in the, in the Proverbs 31 woman, in Proverbs 31, verse 30. But I want you to see this morning a little bit about the character of who Ruth was. Because see, she didn't sit back when she got to a foreign land as a widow and someone who was poor and look at her mother-in-law and say, hey, how are you going to provide for me? How are we going to eat? How are we going to make ends meet? No, she, she stepped into the fear, stepped into the unknown in a land that was not hers, a place that she would not have been received well because she was a foreigner and she was poor. She was a widow. But she stepped out into faith and stepped across that fear, across that unknown, and was trusting God. Look what we see in verse 6. And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered. He's answering Boaz and he says, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now except for a short rest. So we see here this morning she was gleaning. So that tells us indeed that she was poor, that she was a foreigner, but she didn't let those setbacks keep her from stepping forward, from moving forward, from from stepping into what God had for her life. We also see that she was humble and that she was courteous. She she politely asked, please let me go and glean. And then we see that she was hardworking, that she had been working all day long, 
Praise God for a hard-working woman. Amen? You know, as I, as I told the first service this morning, I think there's some of you in here that may need to hear this, but more importantly, there are some in our, our circles of influence, they need to hear this. It, it irks me that we have these young men that are shacking up with these young women, that they're sitting home all day playing TikTok, uh, playing tick on TikTok. They're, they're playing video games. They don't have a job. And, and, and these young girls, we, we know of one uh, in our circle of influence that she is, you know, working one, two jobs to provide for their family while they got this on. That cannot be. That's not who God has called us to be. And so we need to be hardworking, both the women and also the men. We, we need men. We need to man up. And we need to do what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, that we need to, to be strong, that we need to be men, and that we need to do all that we do in love. But we need to get up and we need to work. Amen? And so then in verse 8, we see that Boaz says to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go and glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? You see here what we, what we need to see is that he's saying, I charge the men not to touch you. As she was a widow in a foreign land, she was vulnerable. And so here he is, he's charging his men not to touch her because this is, this is a, in essence, he's saying, Hey, you know, she was uh, a, a potential victim of, uh, sexual or either physical abuse. And he's told his men, don't touch her. You know, he saw something in her. And so I want you to think about something too. Do you, do you believe in love at first sight? You know, let me tell you a quick little story that in February of 2001, uh, in my government or economics class, I can't remember which one, but I do remember that it was Coach Howell's class. That particular day, we kind of pressed pause on our normal lesson, our normal uh, plan of coursework. And we turn on the TV. I'll never forget that, that day that we were watching the funeral of Dale Earnhardt. The tragedy that struck where he died. And so they were having this funeral. Now I want to remind you too, you know you live in the South when uh, your your schoolwork, the school day is interrupted to turn on the TV to, to watch the funeral of a NASCAR legend. But it is what it was. It was a, a tragedy indeed. And he was a great, uh, great uh, racer and a great uh, gentleman that was just larger than life. But I'll never forget that day as we sat there in that classroom and, and we were watching the funeral that about 10 feet away there was this young lady and she began to weep and she began to cry. And, and I saw her different that day. And that woman today is sitting right over there and that's my wife, Kendall. You know, there was something about that moment and and just seeing her we just seeing her being emotional because her her dad was a huge Dale Earnhardt fan and they'd watch races together and that was important to her funny side note too that thanks to our friends um, I knew of Kendall from the time that I went in uh, to public school in second grade. And so from second grade all the way to our senior year, we followed each other from school to school. I uh, didn't really know each other, weren't really friends. But isn't it interesting that that day I saw her differently? And I invited her out and uh, asked her to go for a ride in, in my, new, my new Camaro or my Camaro that was newer to me. And uh, from there, God began a love story. 
So here this morning as we look at this text with, with Boaz and Ruth, we see that same thing. He's looked, he saw, she's beautiful, but not only is she beautiful on the outside, she's beautiful on the inside. And so then let's look at verse 10. And then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? And I think I'm thankful for J. Vernon McGee as I began to, to read this week and was studying this passage. He reminded me of this and he touched on Ruth's question. He said, if she just go home and look in the mirror, she's beautiful. She's lovely. She's attractive. She's everything that one would desire in a woman and a wife. But you see, and so this morning, I just want to lean into you, to you guys. And I just want to say, is there someone here this morning that doesn't feel worthy? That doesn't feel like that God can love you? That doesn't feel like that you measure up or that you are enough? Look to Ruth. Look to this story. Look to how she was broken. She didn't have much. She was at her wit's end, but God was at work in her life and in the life of Naomi. This is a beautiful story, a beautiful picture of how God is at work in the ordinary lives of his people. We need to remember that. He is at work. And, you know, as I've reminded you in previous messages that if we're not looking, if we're not listening, that, that's why we're not sharing what God is doing. Let me say it this way. If we're not sharing what God is doing, then we're not looking and we're not listening because he's at work around us. And so maybe you just need to begin to pray a simple prayer. Lord, help me to see and to hear how you're working in my day. Lord, may the interruptions of my day become invitations for me to be salt and to be light, to, to, to show up into someone's life and and to be there, to be present. You know, I, Andy Stanley says it another way. He says that sometimes that we have to choose to cheat, right? That, that we, have to, we have to cheat other relationships, other situations where, yes, we could be doing something good, but maybe it's time for us to press pause and be present in this moment and do something better. And so I, I think one thing that J. Vernon McGee helped me to see is this. He said that this little book of Ruth reveals something that is quite interesting. And that's this, that racial barriers were broken down and God is connected and loves even those who have upon them a stigma and a judgment that has been placed on them by those people around them. Friends, God is a God of mercy and God is a God of grace. Romans 5, 8 tells us that God shows his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Man, that is, I don't know about you, but that is exciting. I mean, doesn't that, I mean, that's a, that's a beautiful picture of how much God loves you, that even though that we are uh, rebellious sinners, and, and in spite of that, of wanting what we want and desiring what our flesh wants and, and running from God instead of toward God, that while we were still sinners, while we're still sinning, that Christ died for us and that God loves us so much. God loves you and he loves me. And so then we see in verse 11, Boaz answered her, 
All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and your mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. Listen, can I just simply remind you this morning that your reputation precedes you, that, that, that your reputation goes before you. As I was reminded this week, and, and I miss the mark as I do most every week, almost every day, and I have to reflect, I have to allow God's word to challenge me. And so I sat down yesterday in my quiet time, and boy, I wish I would have read this before I, um, you know, fired off some text that, you know, potentially hurt someone's feelings because I responded not, I responded in the moment. I should have just pressed pause and, and, and not responded at all, but we we get caught up in those things. But thank God for his grace and, and a follow-up conversation with that individual, and they're like, hey, we all have those days. So thank God for people of grace, a people of forgiveness. But listen to what I read, that Paul tells the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians. He tells them that we are a fragrance of the Lord to those who are perishing and to those who are being saved. And so I want to ask you this morning, as you leave Bethel Baptist Church and you go out into your mission field, yes, that is your mission field. It's not here. Our mission field begins when we walk out of these doors and we go back to our homes, we go back to our workplaces, we go back to our schools, we go back to our circles of influence, we go back to our dot on the map. That's where our ministry begins. And so as we think about that this morning, what aroma, what fragrance are you putting off for the Lord? When you walk into the room, is, is there a sweet aroma? Are you reflecting Christ? Or like I've heard it put recently, you know, there are some people who can make you excited when they walk in the room. And there's some people who can make you excited when they walk out. Amen. And I, my prayer for you this morning is that you would be someone that when you walk into the room, that you bring you bring that aroma, you bring that fragrance of Christ to where you are reflecting him in your actions and your reactions and that you are making much of Jesus. That should be who we are. That should be who we desire, that our reputation precedes us. You know, good, bad, ugly, indifferent. And and let me remind you this too, Bethel, that Bethel has a reputation. That that we have a reputation in this community. And, and sometimes, for some people, it's not so good. They've been hurt by the church. No, a ceiling tile didn't fall on or or, or Lord Grant, you know, something didn't fall off the building or you know, stumble or whatever, but it's the people in the building. Because we need to do a self-evaluation. We need to do a self-check and ask ourselves, are we truly reflecting the Lord? Are we a sweet aroma, a fragrance of him? Are we seeking him? Are we seeking the forgiveness and the grace that he's bestowed upon us? Are we bestowing that? Are we passing that on to other people? As Christ has forgiven us, so we shall forgive others as well. And so then we see in verse 12, the Lord repay you for what you've done and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. King James says, in whom I have come to trust. You know, as I underlined that this morning, in whose wings you have take, uh, have come to take refuge. What a beautiful reminder as we see of the Psalms 
of just taking refuge under the shelter of the Lord. Maybe this morning there's one of you here that you are just, you're in a bind, that you are struggling, and maybe you just need to come and you need to rest under the shelter, under the wings of the Most High God, and that you need to take refuge, that you need to rest, that you need to find your comfort, that you need to find your peace, that you need to find the strength that comes only from the Lord. As the King James Version says that I have come to trust. Are you trusting the Lord with your life? He's trustworthy, amen? He can. You can trust him with your life. And one of the things this morning is maybe you just need to take that next step. And the way that you trust, you get to trust someone, and one of the ways is that you extend trust. And so maybe there's one little area or maybe there's one relationship in your life this morning that you just need to say, okay, God, I don't know how this is going to end. I don't know how I'm going to get through this struggle. I don't know how I'm going to get through this this rocky hard place with this individual, with this person who's in my life. But Lord, I'm going to trust you. Extend that trust. And then Ruth said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, that you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. This morning as I was on the way to church, I mean, you can't make this stuff up, right? Again, are we looking and listening for how God is moving? And so as I as I came this morning and, and just excited to preach again uh, as a dying man to dying people, right? We're not promised tomorrow. I don't know how much time I have left with you. I don't know how much time I have left on earth. I, I'm not promised tomorrow, but I came in with a passion because I've allowed the Lord to, to just wash over me and I've sat in his presence and I've sat with his word and said, okay, God, what do you want us to see today? And even this morning as I'm on the way here to preach this, of talking about interruptions in our lives, talking about invitations of, of just leaning in and allowing God to work, of just seeing this beautiful picture that, that our reputations precede us. I heard this song on the radio. It's called You Are More by 10th Avenue North. And so can I remind, somebody needs to hear this this morning. Somebody needs to hear this. You are more than the choices that you've made. You're more than the sum of your past mistakes. You're more than the problems that you create. You've been remade. Friends, this morning, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, if you've never extended that trust to Him, I invite you to do that. I invite you to turn from your wicked ways and to, and to look to him and say, Lord, create in me a clean heart. As, as you turn from, from your will and your way and you turn to him and you say, God, will you make me clean and will you make me whole? And he will. See, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to close this message out, but I, I, I just am burdened because sometimes, Bethel, as I look out into the church and I look at these people that profess to be believers, and people come and, and they attend services and, and they say that they're worshiping. But, but do, you, do you see a change in their lives? Because when we meet Jesus, when we meet him daily, when we meet him on a consistent basis, our hearts and our lives are going to change. We, we can't help but look like him. And so as we begin to seek him, as we begin to know him better, that, that we will reflect him. And, that, and he'll change our heart, 
He'll change our minds. He'll change our desires. He'll change our want-tos. He'll change our calendars. He'll change where we spend our time, our talent, and our resources. And so my prayer this morning for you is, will you step in this week and, and I invite you to see the interruptions that come in your life, not as just a distraction, but as an invitation. An invitation to be present in the life of someone else. An invitation to sit and to listen, to, to hold a hand, to, to be a shoulder to lean on, a shoulder to cry upon. I mean, even this morning we heard of the prayer request of a young man of um, Hayden Garris, 16 years old, found out that he has a brain tumor. Can, can you imagine? And I was told that he's going through surgery right now this morning. Can you imagine what he is feeling, what he's going through, what his family is going through? I can't begin to imagine that. But you know what? Let's pray for him as we did as I learned of that prayer request that we need to pray that God would guide the hands of the physicians. Thank God for the wisdom that he's given doctors and, and medical providers that he would guide the hands of those physicians and those tending to this young man's care. And so friends, I just want to invite you to stop seeing things as interruptions and to see them as invitations. To not see them as burdens, but see them as blessings. And as we close this morning, I think about the banners that hang in front of this church that simply say, know him and show him. Right? That, that's in essence what Bethel is really about at its core, that we should know him and that we should show him. And so I pray this week that as you leave this place that you will go and that you will seek him, Matthew six thirty three. seek him first. And that you will show him in your actions, in your reactions, and in the interruptions of your life. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for these, your people. I thank you for the beautiful story of Ruth and Boaz and Naomi. Lord, thank you for the reminder that sometimes we may feel like that you're not at work, that, that things aren't going well, but God, you are at work. You're at work in our lives and the lives of those people around us. Lord, give us the ears to hear, the eyes to see, the open heart, open mind to receive those things of which you would have us to see and to receive. And so, Father, I pray this morning, Lord, I pray that as we leave here, that we would indeed get before you, that we would know you, deeper than we've known you before, that we would be who you have created us to be, Lord, and then that we will show you. We will show you. We will show others about you. We will show them how good that you are and how you have guided us, how you have comforted us, how you have provided for us. Lord, I pray and I think about the fact that we can't introduce someone to someone we don't know. So, Father, my prayer this week is that we'll get to know you and we'll get to be with you and realize whose we are, who we were created to be as we spend time in your presence. Father, I pray that you would guide us. Lord, that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus 
as we leave this place. Lord, help us to see the interruptions in our lives as invitations to be with you and to be with others. Lord, help us to connect our faith to our lives. Help us to connect with one another. And Lord, help us to seek you. Father, we thank you and we love you. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.